Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside longtime college football analyst and great friend Brent Beard, most recently of First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. It is August the 3rd, a Thursday, 2023. Fall camps are underway around the SEC. And by the way, we're also on a new network, the Belly Up Podcast Network. So we're excited to make that announcement as well. But Brent, as I bring you on here, despite the uncertainty in the way of the changing landscape where college athletics is concerned, for many folks, ourselves included, Brent, August's arrival still signals the most wonderful time of the year. Well, it's game month. Uh, basically, is what it is, and we got a slew of games, obviously, that are coming up on week zero and Thursday uh, before Labor Day weekend. So uh, it's certainly very excited to be able to say that. Camps are opening. I've always enjoyed that. Camps, unfortunately, are being somewhat overshadowed by the expansion situation. But, Travis, uh, it's good to be back. It's been a uh, brother, do you remember a quicker uh, off-season? They're usually very long, Trav, but uh, uh, with so much going on now, obviously off the field, uh, it, it seems like this off-season, usually they're very long, but this has seemed like it's pretty quick. Well, I think the change to the recruiting calendar, too, just keeps college football in the news even more than it's been in previous years. And maybe that's by design. I don't know. But with summer official visits with summer commitments uh it really is nonstop. i know we've said it more of as a cliche in previous years but more so than ever in this last five years or so that has certainly become the case and then you still have as i touched on in my initial comments how things could evolve from here with college athletics in general florida state not happy with the acc Teams letting it be known more and more that, hey, we're right over here, Big Ten. We're right over here, SEC. (laughs) Even the Big 12 has become sort of a life preserver, a life raft of sorts for teams in the ACC or teams in the Pac-12, Brent. People need to be aware there is a very big University of Arizona Board of Regents meeting tonight. And that could start, we're not saying it will, but that could start frankly, some dominoes. And and right now, uh, you've got certainly uh, Florida State not happy with the ACC. They've been very clear about that. But the grant of rights until 2036 has been a albatross around their neck. And right now, I think the teams we're looking at trying to make decisions are Arizona and Arizona State that's in a uh, growing, I know you're, you, you've been out in that area over the last few years in a growing area's population in the number 11 television market in the country. So Arizona, Arizona State, Washington, and Oregon, Trev, that, that, I think those four teams probably will have a lot to do with, will we have a Pac-12, and if we don't, how big are the other major conference is going to get. Yeah, and it looks like there'll be a split of the Pac-12 between the Big 12 and the Big 10, 
right? I think Utah could factor into this eventually yes. as well with Colorado moving to the Big 12. Does Utah make sense as sort of a partner in making that jump as well in the future? And of course, you got BYU now to consider in that league. So some natural rivalries that you could maintain depending on how how this fracture and this sort of rebirth of collegiate athletics moving forward takes place. Again, it is Second Helping on the Belly Up Podcast Network. We have SEC Media Days in our wake. I know Brent Beard was up in Nashville for that annual event. Uh, Brent, post-SEC Media Days, we know who the favorites are in the two divisions. The final, final year, by the way, will have divisions for the foreseeable future in the league. Georgia was a pick of the media in the East. Alabama, the pick of the media in the West. The Dogs get the pick overall as the 2023 champion. Any surprises for you when looking back on the preseason balloting up there in the Music City, Brent? Yeah, two things real quick. I think one would be, I really thought, Travis, that LSU may be the pick over Bama, uh, just specifically because of Jane Daniels coming back and the uncertainty in Alabama. And, Trev, my other question is, for the eight people that voted that Vanderbilt would win the conference, Trev, Trev, Trev was uh, was that after karaoke and heavy drinking the night before when that ballot was cast? Yeah, I think the Vandy Whistler had a vote this time around, apparently. The notorious baseball fan of the Commodores with that whistling at those hardball games. No, that's it's kind of like, though, you know, every year in the ACC um, or in the in the top 25 preseason poll, you see Duke get one. Uh, yeah. vote from the coaches yeah. and you know who that is or it used to be anyway when he was still coaching Steve, Steve Spurrier that's right every year would give the Duke Blue Devils a vote in the coaches <laughs> poll uh it was tradition unlike any other but yeah. what we wanted to do primarily Brent is uh and 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 as to your comment about LSU uh in the west I too a month or so ago thought that might be the case but as it got closer and closer to that vote the question I kept asking myself is if you're picking LSU in the West, you're saying LSU is going to win in Tuscaloosa, essentially, you know, because that's really what the division came down yeah, to last right. year with LSU getting that win over Alabama and Baton Rouge. And so I think that became more of a reality for some of the voters. Uh, and look, let's be honest, we're still talking about Nick Saban. Uh, if it comes down to a tiebreaker, a Nick Saban team typically is going to get that edge uh, even after missing the college football playoff in 2022. So yeah, I thought it was interesting on some levels. And then maybe uh, as it got closer and, and we had that balloting, uh, not so surprising uh, in, in the in the wake of it. So wanted to get into a big question for each of the league's 14 members as we get fall camps underway around the SEC, Brent. We'll do this alphabetically. I'm going to start with Alabama. Gee, I wonder which position <laughs> you know that question would entail. But really, when you look at this Alabama team, it's not as simple as just the quarterback position, is no, it? No, not at all. And listen, there are two things that I just want to mention here. Uh, and I think we, we all understand kind of the personnel things that, that Alabama has got. But what I'm wondering is there are two things here. One is Bama is 125 in returning production. Uh, and, and that can they compensate for that? And uh, the other situation is uh, a uh, 
ungodly amount of penalties. Um, the offensive line, for instance, 27 penalties out of 103 flags. And look, I, I've heard you say this for decades with us working together. That is absolutely focus and attention on detail. And, and Trav, my thing is, beyond the personnel, the, these little things like that at the line of scrimmage uh, with the penalties, uh, not getting enough takeaways. Trevor, those things Bama can clean up this year. Yeah, I think having the pulse of Bama fans uh, a little bit in what I do, I think what a lot of those folks are hanging their collective hat on is changes at the coordinator level right? at, at, at both on both sides of the ball with an emphasis on defense, because that's where it was maybe more surprising than anything else a year ago. So I agree with you. Alabama has to clean up the mistakes, maybe a veteran presence like Kevin Steele as a coordinator on the defensive side of the ball stabilizes things over there. Maybe they simplify some things, um, not so much in terms of how they play, uh, but how many different things they try to incorporate into the defense. At times last year, it felt like they were a little spread thin, and as a result, some of their personnel was spread thin a little bit uh, on a situational basis. So, yeah, other than quarterback, uh, I can definitely see that being the case. As far as positional groups, quarterback certainly with Milrow, Buckner, um, also Ty Simpson in that mix, offensive tackle at the one spot opposite J.C. Latham, Defensive side of the ball, inside linebacker, the safety position, some of those situational defensive roles. Brian Branch was so important to this defense in previous years, working at the nickel spot, working at the dime spot. So, yeah, it's not just quarterback and uh, certainly, though, Brent, talent wise and also importantly with what Alabama feels like it got accomplished via the transfer portal, able to replenish not only depth, but increase competition at some of these areas where they have some questions too. Uh, well, and I still say Bama, Georgia, Ohio State have the three best rosters uh, in the nation, meaning they've got the best, certainly 50 players, if not the best, 85. And, and Travis, uh, another area to, to clean up, and I give our colleague and friend Chase Goodbread credit for this and pointing out that uh, the at the the Alabama receiving core last year, 23 drops uh, overall, and the wide receivers had 16 of them. So, Trav, some, some sure hands among these receivers, and Chase also brings in a really good point. Do they have a receiver yet that strikes fear in the heart of these defense? So, uh, uh, as you pointed out, th this receiving crew, very important this season. Yeah, inconsistency a year ago, a real problem from that area. And I think what Alabama's hope is with this alleged reshift to physicality first on offense is that the approach will help these receivers. And not only that, help a first-time starter at quarterback in terms of widening some windows and getting some opportunities against man coverage uh, that both these receivers and their quarterback or quarterbacks, we'll see, are able to take advantage of. Hey, let's talk about Arkansas as we move through the league here, Brent. Now, like Alabama, the Hogs with a couple of new coordinators. Uh, Dan Enos back in Northwest yeah. Arkansas as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you had a change on the defensive side as well with Barry Odom moving on to UNLV as the head coach. So 
interesting to consider those scenarios. Defense obviously had some ground to make up. And then how this offensive shift maybe impacts K.J. Jefferson first and foremost with that offense. Yeah, and and my one area to look at really is something you and I talked about the entire year. And it was such a paradox on this football team on that defensive side of the ball. That front seven really was, frankly, pretty impressive, particularly with Drew Sanders playing in there. And then the secondary was just absolutely woeful. I mean, this secondary, Travis, Dan Last, Dan Last in all of college football and passing yards allowed. I give Sam Pittman credit. They added five transfers and six freshmen to a secondary that really needed it. Jaheim Singletary, uh, a Georgia transfer, also one of those guys. Uh, too. So, uh, look, I, I like KJ Jefferson. Uh, I certainly like that running back room they've got. But, Trail, uh, right, as far as wins and losses, they're only going as far as that defense allows them to go. And that, and hopefully they have really shored up that secondary, especially. Yeah, I also lost Jalen Catalan, who had been injured pretty much the previous two seasons. But uh, he moved on to Texas. So Alabama will still see perhaps Jalen yeah. Catalan. Didn't see him the last two years, but <laughs> they might see him in week two in Tuscaloosa when the Longhorns visit the Crimson Tide. Let's talk Auburn and a continuing theme as we go around the league on second helping this time around is going to be that quarterback position because yeah. Auburn's certainly trying to figure out some things heading into year one under Hugh Freeze. Peyton Thorne comes in from Michigan State to join the existing duo uh, that returns. So start with quarterback, I guess, uh, Brent. But when you think about the defensive side of the ball and even the status, I guess, of Jarquez Hunter at the running back position was a little bit up in the air in Nashville, wasn't it? Uh, It was. uh, And uh, obviously this is a – investigation ongoing so Hugh Freeze would not touch that uh now look we both know Jarquez Hunter is going to play but they do like this Brian Batty who has also been involved uh in the 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 importance that he could bring Trav to me it's very clear for the for Auburn that and and Hugh Freeze basically said this their number one priority is that offensive line uh and look it, Brian Harson and Gus Malzahn either would not or could not recruit offensive linemen, and even Auburn beat writers would tell you that. So uh, Dylan Wade at left tackle, Avery Jones at center. Uh, they've got some transfers. Uh, Jones coming from uh, uh, the East Carolina. So I think it's important for them uh, that that's what they had to rebuild. I mean, I think we both believe – uh, enough in Hugh Freeze that he will do something with the quarterback, and by by probably November trap that offense will be will be better. Uh, but I think he will go only as far as that offensive line's improved, and people don't really know the names yet. But about, I think he's done a pretty solid job of uh, uh, replenishing the talent there. Yeah, I think what Auburn defensively can count on is really good corner play return a couple of solid corners with DJ James, uh, probably headlining that duo, but uh, otherwise plenty of questions for Hugh Freeze, who's had some nice recruiting success here in the last couple of weeks, by the way, 
uh, you expect that with Hugh there, that the recruiting will certainly take an uptick. And so uh, more of a future situation maybe for Auburn, but uh, never count the Tigers out in year one under a new head coach. How about the Florida Gators in Gainesville preparing for that tough road trip to Utah for UF season opener, that return game with the Utes? Uh, man, it just sounds like from the outset, from Billy Napier's fall camp opening press conference, that if there were any questions about the starting quarterback position no. for the Gators, <laughs> Graham Mertz sounds like the guy. Sounds like it's done. Sounds like it's over with, Brent. Well, and that's certainly what I hear from other Gator beat writers. We heard that in uh, Nashville also. But the, your reality for him is he has just been steady He's made routine throws. He's going out of a bad play into a good play. And, it, and it, I know it sounds cliche-ish, but he's just kind of played within himself. Uh, and look, as, as tremendous of an athlete as Anthony Richardson was, uh, you cannot depend on Richardson, Trav at third and eight, uh, to be able to hit his receivers in the hands in the fourth quarter in Baton Rouge. Uh, now you can throw it 70 and 80 yards, uh, but but still, uh, I think I think what they've got in Mertz that they're pretty happy with is leadership and the ability to make routine plays on a consistent basis. Uh, well, I'm not saying he's going to be the, running for the Heisman Trophy, uh, but just to make normal plays will be a real improvement in Gainesville. Here's something that's shocking when you really looked at it, these preseason All-SEC teams, and who knows? We'll see how it plays out come December. But when you think about, uh, especially the Steve Spurrier era of offensive football at Florida, and then you look at the three preseason offensive teams, one Gator on those three teams, Trevor Etienne, third-team running back, otherwise uh, an abyss for Florida players on the offensive side of the ball. But – it also speaks to maybe this roster in general, because even when you go over the defense, uh, Brent, it's not exactly loaded with Gators over there either. I mean, maybe one or two Gators on the defensive side, three or four total overall for Florida on the three all sec preseason teams. That's crazy. Uh, It is, isn't it? But, but, But I will say this, and I bet you've heard the same thing. They were really excited about Austin Armstrong, the mm-hmm. the deep coordinator, uh, 29 years old, did a really good job at Southern Miss. He was in Alabama for a cup of coffee, and now that they really like what he has been able to do so far. Uh, now again, does he have the talent that he needs? Uh, no, I know they really like Jason Marshall in that secondary, maybe even eventually for the NFL. But I'm, but but I really do wonder, Trav, how how much Armstrong will, will really make a difference for them this year. Yeah, he is a budding star by all accounts. Armstrong is in the coaching ranks, and uh, they're going to need to be coached up still. I, I think they're getting there. I think Napier, as the program mm-hmm. builder, is living up to that moniker to this yeah. point. But the question's still going to be with this schedule, especially with the opener. And there is questions, by the way. For Florida, the one thing it has really working for it going into that road game at Rice-Eccles Stadium out in Salt Lake City is that there are still questions about Cam Rising, the quarterback for Utah, had the ACL injury in the Rose Bowl um, at the end of last season and what his availability exactly will be like. Uh, Florida may not have to concern itself as much with Rising's mobility 
as it would have had to otherwise. What about the Georgia Bulldogs, Brent? Can this team continue to make incremental improvement despite being heavy, heavy favorites on a weekly basis, at least through the first seven, eight, nine weeks of the season? Yeah, it's one of the most amazingly easy schedules. And again, as we have mentioned before, Oklahoma was going to be on that schedule, but that game did not work out. So, frankly, when we think the quarterback is going to be Carson Beck uh, and that he'll develop into that role, and he'll have plenty of time to do it before he's really tested. Uh, I mean, the biggest games they've got, they've got a September game in South Carolina uh, against the Gamecocks and then Auburn, Florida, and then the big game in November against Tennessee. Two things here for me with Georgia. One, uh, just really an amazing stat, Travis. They're, the, the Georgia offensive line last year allowing nine sacks in 15 games or on 462 total drop-back passes. I mean, that's amazing to think about that. And, and, and then asking some Georgia beat writers – what is who can beat Georgia? Their answer was the only team that can beat Georgia is Georgia. And what they mean by that is this uh, continuing uh, situation with the players and fast cars getting traffic yeah. tickets uh, and this other thing that very little has been said about, and it's been chronicled by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is the violence toward women uh, with players who are basically still on this team and, and, and nothing has come of that. Now, again, these are alleged situations, but, but I guess my point, Trav, here is uh, can, can complacency and lack of discipline and detail, could that derail the dogs at some point this year? Yeah, and to be clear, the AJC was – had to issue a retraction on on uh, the one story, I guess it was, where there were uh, there were multiple errors uh, in the story. But it, the point stands. It has been a tumultuous offseason in many ways for Georgia. It has been a horrifically tragic situation yeah. and, and certainly the way in which uh, uh, the, the program lost a, a couple of its members to that one car accident. So. Um, yeah, there, there are certainly obstacles that, that Kirby has to navigate, even with a. this is the thing on the field, though, that stands out to me about Georgia. When I look at these, when I look at this preseason all SEC team between the offensive and defensive lines, five first team selections. So if you think if you think the last couple of years and the manner in which Georgia has sort of owned things up front is just has just moved on entirely to the National Football League? No. No, I mean, there's guys like Michael Williams. There's guys like Nazir Stackhouse, uh, the offensive line, Cedric Van Praan, uh, Amarius Mims, Tate Ratledge. Still a lot of dudes. And just on the defensive side of the ball, between the three preseason All-SEC teams on defense, Georgia with eight players on those three teams. Yeah. Uh, nice. it, 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 you said it with Carson Beck. And I think even the change at quarterback could could help this team because it's going to create, I think anyway, this sense of a need for sharpened focus because it is a new guy back there. It's not Stetson. It's not old reliable. So we'll see how all that comes together uh, for Kirby Smart there. 
in Athens. So, hey, let's talk about Kentucky because at quarterback, there's a lot of excitement there with a newcomer from the ACC taking over behind center. You got the switch back to Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Barry and Brown, really, really good group of wide receivers on the offensive side of the ball. But I guess that offensive line still remains not only the big question mark for the offense, but maybe this team in general. Yeah, uh, no doubt. But boy, I, I, I really like this team when it, just to take a look at them. Devin Leary, as you mentioned, is really did a great job in NC State. He was hurt there, but now he's healthy. And I mean, they they tra- they just love him. And uh, look, Stoops went out of his way. And you've mentioned this kid before, uh, but at SEC Media Days, he just uh, basically said we couldn't stop Ray Davis when he played at Vanderbilt. Uh, so we're glad he's with us now. Mm-hmm. Ray, <laughs> Ray Davis ran for 130 yards again against Kentucky in that game uh and you mentioned that that receiving room it's not as good as say Tennessee and A&M but with Dane Key and Barry and Brown boy that, that that's a good group and Liam Cohen coming back I, I, look if they travel they fix that offensive line I, I'm not saying that, that they're going 10 and 3 again the way they did in 21 but I like this team yeah, I do too. You know, and when I, I'll tell you, I, I love Barry and Brown. I just love this guy. When I, when I watch him, I see some Devonte Smith in this yeah, guy. Good point. Similar body type, slender, uh, but just a hell of an all-around football player out of Nashville, Tennessee, originally. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it all comes together with Devin Leary taking over at the quarterback position. We stick with quarterbacks when we look at LSU. I guess I wonder there, not so much with. Uh, about Jaden Daniels and his viability to win games for, for LSU. He, he showed that last year that he can do it, but I, I want to see exactly what his ceiling is as a passer, Brent, because in losses to Florida state, Tennessee and A&M last year, LSU averaged 6.1 yards per pass attempt or fewer in those games. Too many weapons still on the outside, not to be more explosive in the passing game than the Tigers were a year ago when they had a modest six pass plays of 40 yards or more. Got to be more than that. Got to give more than that. And I'm sure that's been a focal point for them offensively going into year two under Daniels. Oh, well, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and I mean, I give Brian Kelly a lot of credit. I mean, he took the talent that he had and he had some talent and got them to do Atlanta last year. Now they weren't perfect. No doubt about that, but Boy, that well, what is there not to like with this team? Now, a quick caveat: their defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsey is yeah. stepping away for a while. That that was a, a, per, a health issue. Certainly, our prayers go to him, and obviously, they're having to re, re, reshuffle that staff a little bit. But it, it, at the same time, uh, Travis, to me, with them and and, and Jaden Daniels. You know, in the offense, going to get a lot of this love here. But to me, the one of their big questions is, will Mason Smith be able to come back like we think he could? 6'6", 315, got hurt in the early part of the first quarter last year against uh, Florida State. And look, I, I've, I've heard LSU beat writers. They were asked, 
who's the best player on the team, regardless of position. And they and you you thought they would said Jaden Daniels uh, or one of these wide receivers, and they said no, it is Mason Smith. He is the best player on this football team, and if he comes back, uh, he will make a humongous difference. Obviously, uh, with Harold Perkins and those guys in the same lineup at the same time. Yeah, Makai Wingo back as a first-team right. All-SEC defensive lineman in the preseason. So, really talented team, especially in that front seven offensively. Daniels, Malik Neighbors, Mason Taylor back at the tight end position, Will Campbell back at offensive tackles. So, just about every area of this LSU team, uh, they check the boxes. And so, absolutely, the big three on defense. So, Mason Smith, Harold Perkins, Makai Wingo, Mississippi State. Change in approach on the offensive side of the ball, obviously following the untimely passing, the former head coach, Mike Leach, mass turnover on the back end of that defense, an area where we grew accustomed to seeing Martin Timerson or uh, my guy, Emmanuel Forbes, at the That's corner right. positions throughout the year. So uh, year one under Zach Arnett, going to be fascinating to watch play out how this offense changes uh, under Arnett's direction. A guy, obviously, with a defensive background. How does that impact Will Rogers? Uh, plenty to talk about with the bullies. Uh, and I like this team, too, because I like uh, Zach Arnett. Uh, the, the real fascinating thing here is going to be uh, is uh, how Will Rogers will react without so much of the air raid and throwing the ball down the field, which means the running backs are going to be more running backs maybe than they were receivers uh, at, at that point, too. And uh, defensively, boy, this is going to be a stout bunch. And Trav, a guy that, that certainly you've seen a little bit of, Marcus Banks, uh, the mm-hmm. Alabama transfer, I understand. Arnett at Media Days uh, mentioned that he has done a good job on what's going to be a pretty salty defense. Should be. I, I like I like Mississippi State a lot in the front seven. Those inside linebackers coming back. Uh, Pickering experience on the defensive front. But yeah, the back end is where there are question marks. And Banks, I think, is going to be counted on uh, maybe even more as a safety, more as that star defensive back playing the slot against wide receivers. You know, and I'll be interested to see how this also impacts Woody Marks, probably one of the more undervalued running backs in the SEC, more of a receiver, obviously, in Leach's approach previously, but uh, not the biggest back in the world. Uh, but 5'10", 210 pounds, should be able to hang in there and uh, pound the rock a little bit more in a traditional sense for Mississippi State moving forward. Missouri, some changes there. More so, I guess, in the play-calling dynamic for the Missouri Tigers. Brady Cook back at the quarterback position. Some nice weapons for him on the outside. But uh, what's that big question for Mizzou for you, Brent, as we head into the month of August? Well, uh, and, and this is something that I, I give them a lot of credit uh, on the defensive side of the ball because they have they have really made some changes and they think that uh, that they can be a top fifteen defense uh, because of what uh, Blake Baker has done for them. Eli Drinkwood just raved about Baker, uh, mm-hmm. and he thinks this defense could be really good. Uh, now, 
uh, I do appreciate what Eli Drinkwist said, uh, Trav, that there in no way in the world can we replace Dominique Lovett. Uh, that yeah. that's, that's one of the better receivers in the conference. He's at Georgia now, which makes them e- even more dangerous. But, and again, even though he got a little bit of heat from the media and from the fans, as you've pointed out, they gave Eli that, that extension and that raise just a few months ago so that he's not going anywhere. Now, interestingly enough, he, he admitted that uh, he no longer needs to call plays. Has <laughs> given that, found that interesting, to Kirby Moore as a new offensive coordinator who comes over from Fresno State. So, some Trav, do you find some changes to – Fairly interesting, like I did, as they continue to improve on defense and these changes with the offensive play calling. Yeah, usually if an offensive-minded head coach gets a raise and an extension, he doesn't immediately after that give up play calling duties, no, right? No. Usually if it's an offensive-minded guy, the reason why he's getting the raise and extension is because he's a hell of a play caller. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. so good for Drink. Drink's got the game figured out. That it doesn't typically work in that order yes. uh, for offensive oriented head coaches, but uh, hey, Drink pulled it off. Speaking mm-hmm. of offensive oriented head coaches, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, uh, the Rebels should be fine offensively, uh, even with some key departures there. But Quinshawn Judkins back at the running back position after just an incredible true freshman season a year ago. Jackson Dart still looks to be the guy. Uh, Getting some guys healthy also at some of the other receiver positions should help. Michael Trigg, I guess, comes to mind when I'm thinking about that. Mm -hmm. But with Pete Golding coming over from Alabama to take over, how much improvement on the defensive side of the ball for the Rebels are you really anticipating for the upcoming season? Well, Trav, I'm just wondering, uh, Golding's got a pretty complex defense. Is it going to take them a while to latch on to that, and I, I'm hearing that it that that it is. They've got 40 new scholarship players, so Lane is he's capable of doing has has literally <laughs> overturned half of that roster at this point. Or, or are you intrigued like I am with this quarterback situation? Spencer Sanders, who has more experience than anybody uh, coming from Oklahoma State. Uh, now I think they'll probably do something with him, but it's, but I've been told by the Ole Miss beat writers that Jackson Dart's definitely going to be the starter. Walker, yeah. Walker Howard's going to be the, uh, the future of the team. And they, in lane for good measure, brought in Austin Simmons, who the Gators wanted badly. Uh, he's not going to play anytime real soon, but, um, Trav, if anybody can figure this quarterback room out, it should be lane. It should be. And I think it is. I think it's figured out at least to start the season. I like Jackson Dart, and I'll say that because he wasn't always perfect last season, but for this guy coming in from the West Coast, uh, the toughness, the physical toughness I saw from him at times, I got to think resonated not only with the coaching staff, but certainly his teammates as well. Hey, let's talk South Carolina one of my very favorite players in all of college football, back for a sixth year in Dak Joyner, a guy who can do a little bit of everything on the offensive side of the ball. Trey Knox comes in from Arkansas as a transfer tight end. Uh, Spencer Rattler, obviously, 
back at the quarterback position should be capable on offense. But what about the defense? I guess I wonder. I, I tell you what I do like about South Carolina is the recruiting that they're continuing to do yeah. with guys like Grayson Howard of Jacksonville, Florida coming in with Nick Harbor, the five star edge coming in from the D.C. area. Uh, I guess from a roster perspective under Shane Beamer, I, I, I'm seeing more of a more and more encouraging signs in that area. Uh, one of the big things they did in the offseason is they brought in Dowell Loggins, uh, who's in the NFL as offensive coordinator. They were really not happy at all with their offensive coordinator situation last year, uh, made that change before November was over, uh, and we saw the success that happened that down the line. You, you always wonder, will Spencer Rattler live up to, uh, to his billing but I think the uh, the things that they've got improved, they averaged only 118 yards on the ground, which is a real problem too. And and look, Dak Joyner now is is going to be running back. He's he's added 13 pounds of, of muscle uh, mm-hmm. in, in that point. But the thing is going to be fixed immediately. Shane Beamer mentioned this at media days. Said two years in a row, we've been last in the league in turnovers. Uh, Trav, I don't care who you bring in and who you develop. If you keep giving the ball to the other team, that's a problem. Yeah, and that's where you kind of tie it in with Spencer Rattler, uh, who can be absolutely dynamic at times and then at other times problematic Yeah, uh, where turnovers are concerned. I thought, though, very encouraging the way in which he finished last season. it, It wasn't. Uh, the Gator Bowl result that Carolina wanted. But uh, again, when I think of those two sides of the ball, uh, I think offensively they, they've got an opportunity to be pretty good. What about Tennessee talking about offensive football? Joe Milton checks in at the quarterback position, lose a big time receiver uh, in Hyatt on the outside, but still bring back some capable guys. I'll tell you what I think. We talk so much about the passing game now with Josh Heupel in Knoxville. I think Tennessee's run game is maybe being slept on a little bit because I love those backs, man. Um, And I say that with an emphasis on uh, on probably even more Jalen Wright than Jabari Small, although I think, you know, together they're they're especially good. Yeah, they really are Uh, in the. uh, the Samson kid is a guy that they that they're encouraged with. Jalen Wright in small world or very good. And boy, I tell you what, that that receiver room with Brew McCoy and Squirrel White, Ramil Keaton have been have been also very impressive. Uh, two quick things here: just not sold on Joe Milton yet. I've seen the video where he can throw it 80 yards, but it's like Anthony Richardson to me. Uh, can he throw it eight yards uh, in Athens in the fourth quarter when he needs a first down? Uh, and, and again, I know they've said this the entire offseason, but, but Travis, my thing is, are they actually better on defense, particularly at third down? Uh, and that was the bugaboo. And, and frankly, uh, I, I think that's why people think they may actually take a little bit of a step back because they don't have that personnel for defense they actually need. Yeah, you look at these preseason teams again for uh, Nashville that the media 
voted on. And still on those three defensive teams, if you scan the list, Brent, you don't see a Tennessee player. That's right. On any of those three teams. So I think that kind of speaks to the concerns that the balls will continue to have on the defensive side of the ball. Texas A&M, the cohabitation, Brent, of Jimbo and Bobby as the offensive brain trust down there in College Station. You know, here's my thought. As long as everything's going well, yeah. that dynamic will be going well. Right, where right. we'll really find out where that relationship will be truly stressed is if there's a sort of dry run for that offense, especially with the weaponry that it brings back and the promise it brings back with Connor Wiegman at the quarterback position. So I guess for me, though, the bigger question is even more so about the defense. I mean, that is a defense loaded with five-star talent with an emphasis on that defensive front. McKinley Jackson also in that group up front. So uh, can this defense live up to its recruiting billing, I guess, is my question for the Aggies. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, now, the offensive line should be very good. Mm-hmm. Cam Dewberry, Bryce Foster, Layden Robinson, that they think they're as good as anybody uh, up front. Um, now, with that that receiver room is just just absolute crazy with Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad, Noah Thomas. That's good as anybody. But but your but your point's a really good one. At at linebacker, Chris Russell's pretty good. Uh Geranti Davis uh is coming back and, and I think he will be too. Uh, here's here's a very interesting AM stat under Jimbo. Trout, they're 27 and 0 when they're scoring 30 plus under Jimbo, and they're 11 and 22 when they don't. Wow. Yeah, that kind of tells you the tale right there, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And so, so Trev, my, my question for you is in Coral Gables on September the 9th, if, if, if Miami's up 13 10 in the fourth quarter, how will that Petrino? Uh, and Jimbo relationship be at that point. Yeah, there are what I like to call, too, some narrative games very early in the season. And when I say narrative, I'm talking more about coaches and what that narrative is going to be for them, perhaps moving forward. I think A&M at Miami is a big one, especially for Jimbo, maybe even a little bit for Mario Cristobal as well on the Miami end of things. Uh, I think Texas at Alabama for Sark. Uh, yeah. is one of those where where the Longhorns are concerned. I think LSU and uh, Florida State uh, for Mike Norvell and maybe even to an extent, Brian Kelly. Uh, you, there, there's, there's only so much mileage you can get out of a win over Alabama. Believe it or not, I know. I mean, some coaches have, have gotten a lot of mileage, some Prius-like mileage out of those wins. But uh, <laughs> those are some of those games early in the season. I yeah. think for – for A&M, that trip to Miami is going to be right there with it. Uh, no question. And, and, and conversely, Trav, uh, how big a game is that going to be for Mario Cristobal yeah. uh, to, to be able to show his fan base that they made some improvements? Yep. Keep the NIL money coming, folks. We beat A&M for sure. Narratives, narratives. Let's wrap it up with Vanderbilt. Uh, more optimism than we've seen in quite some time where the Commodores are concerned, that courtesy of a nice finish to the 2022 season. Uh, promise at the quarterback position with a, a young gunslinger, as we like to call him, back in the mix. Um, 
you know, and I guess for for Vandy though, and you touched on this uh, with Kentucky, still losing some guys via the transfer portal, uh, not just to other teams, but teams within the league lose a quarterback yeah. to Mississippi State or running back to to uh, Kentucky. And I know of those two, the the running back departure uh, it w- was bigger than than even the quarterback uh, situation, but. Uh, where's where's Vanderbilt at in terms of stabilizing things and making it more of a destination option instead of maybe this launching pad to elsewhere uh, under Clark Lee? Uh, uh, and I'll say this, Travis, if he pulls off uh, two or three, five and seven, six and sixes in a row, he is yeah. going to be getting some attention to that point. Uh, Will Shepard at wide receiver. Ethan Bart, linebacker, you mentioned Swan. Now, now the thing that I'm really looking at, and, and you brought this up not long ago, I mean, Trav, they've got Hawaii, Alabama, A&M, Atwake, UNLV, Kentucky, and Missouri. Uh, look, they're not going to run the table there, and we're, we're not saying that, but, boy, how important would it be for them particularly with that non-conference schedule, to get off to a really good beginning. Yeah, they get Hawaii, obviously, in that Week 0 matchup in Nashville. Need to take care of business there against a UH program still very much in rebuild mode under Timmy Chang. And, you know, you talk about Will Shepard, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. You talk about an undervalued guy, especially at his position. He had seven wide receivers show up on the three preseason All-SEC teams, and Will Shepard wasn't one of them. Wow. Oh, man. And, and there's some good receivers on this list. But, I mean, even compared to guys like – and I love Ja'Cory Brooks. I think he's a really good player. But And then you see Jermaine Burton, uh, Anaya Smith, I think, deserving, but but obviously coming off a major injury situation. Uh, boy, Will Shepard, I, I think the love he isn't getting in the preseason – uh, we'll likely see him get come December. So there you go, Brent. All 14 teams. I think I hit. We hit all 14, didn't we? I didn't, yep, we missed sure did. All right. Well, well, Brent. As always, a lot of fun. Great to be back here yes. on Second Helping, especially now as a part of the Belly Up Podcast Network. You got anything else for us before we get out of here? Well, I think the main thing again is. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't like that it's taken away from fall camp that much, but we've got to keep our eye on uh, the this situation with uh, the expansion uh, that's coming around. Uh, it could affect a lot of teams, even the SEC at some point. Uh, the AP poll is going to be dropping on Monday, August the 14th. I think Travis and I could write what that AP poll is going to be by now, but it's always kind of, it's certainly interesting to be able to say that. And and look, Trav, we're, we're not far away. Are we from week zero as it comes around? Uh, And and I tell you what, what's going to be fascinating is, is when this, uh, is when this uh, 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 playoff is expanded, is week zero going to be the first week of the regular season? Uh, mm-hmm. That might happen as soon as as next year. So, so we'll be watching that one too. Yeah, it's kind of like how high school football, it seems, has moved so far up. I mean, when I played high school football, 
we didn't play until the first, I think, Friday night after Labor Day. That's right. It was almost <laughs> like the NFL opening weekend. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, you got a high school football game coming up probably next week. You know, yeah. some form or fashion, there'll be some high school football. Heck, tonight we've got the first preseason NFL right. game of 2023. Jets and Browns up in that Hall of Fame game in Canton. So it's here, man. It's here. It and is. we look forward to talking about it with you on a regular basis right here on Second Helping. Brent, look forward to the next time. Me too, brother. Always enjoy it. Take care. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping. Until next time, so long, everybody.